this is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Spark My Muse. I'm really excited to have a guest and a new friend, Robert Monson, on. And he, I met him on Twitter. And so we're going to be talking about some things probably related to grief and hopefully some things that are specific to me and to Robert, but also universal, because with grief, we've all suffered loss. And, and grief is really just our way of contending with loss that might come through change of some kind, maybe death or maybe a change in a role that we had or a change in a location where we live. So uh, welcome, Robert, to the show. I'm so glad you can talk with me and share some of your background. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to talk with you. Finally, I'm excited. Yeah. And I should also mention you are also a podcast host. So why don't you plug your show a little bit and uh, tell everybody some of the things you do and, and what you're about? Yes. So I work for an organization called Subculture Inc. And uh, we provide resources both financially and spiritually for black college students. And we're really concentrated on helping black college students thrive and removing a lot of barriers to them thriving in college. And so out of that that organization, one thing that we do is we have two podcasts and and one of one of the podcasts is called Where is the Lie? That podcast with uh, <laughs> two of my other co-hosts, it's pretty raw and uh, it, it tackles the intersection of faith with eth- ethnicity and politics. And <laughs> so we discuss a lot of things there (laughs) Um, uh, from a biblical perspective, but also from a really honest uh, Christian perspective. And so the other podcast is called The Hive, and that one is, is geared a bit more towards black college students. And we have everything from explicit Bible teachings to implicit conversations related to cultural things, things in the news. And we have all different kinds of guests, all different kinds of content contributors, and I'm just one of the contributors uh, to that podcast. So, so yeah, so those are our two podcasts, and that's a bit about what I do personally. How did you get um, hooked up with them in the first place? <laughs> yes, uh, great question. So uh, the, the founder and C- CEO is a woman named Tamise uh, Spencer. And we have been friends for years and years, probably since 2008. And we went to Bible school together and we've done campus ministry together. We've done a number of work projects and outreaches Uh, together. We did ministry at Morehouse Clark and Spelman uh, College in Atlanta together and... uh, 
eventually Tamise found a lot of dissonance as she was trying to minister to college students. And she noticed that there wasn't enough resources comprehensively for black college students. And they had unique challenges that as we were ministering to white students, she just noticed that there were there were unique uh, differences. And so together we helped to start the organization. Um, so I came in a few months after she was getting the nonprofit off the ground and I kind of handled the content and administration side of the organization. And bit by bit, we grew from two employees to now we have content contributors. We have admin and various staff members. So, wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. really neat. So you're really every day serving real needs with real lives, real people. And um, that's cool. And, and to a population yeah. that's that's vulnerable, even in the sense that they're just young and, you know, they're going to try to stay in school. But there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of things for just about anybody, you know, in college where they feel vulnerable and out on their own. And then for a group yes. that doesn't have the same support systems or resources, you know, they're that much less likely to complete college. Yes. And I and one thing I would say is that we noticed that the resources that we were using were so geared towards uh, white Americans Mm -hmm. that they didn't take our culture in in stride as they were forming these resources. And Mm -hmm. we noticed that uh, our students would ask us, are there theologians of color? Mm -hmm. Are there people who look like us that are doing great things for God. And, and initially oh. I, I didn't have any answers. I was, cause I was quoting only John Piper, yeah. uh, John Stott, uh, and, um, <laughs> and all these other men that I had been taught as a Christian yeah. to emulate. And it started a journey of creating resources, not only geared towards black students, but things that covered even women of the faith. Mm-hmm. and uh, women authors and theologians. And so we wanted to present our students with full meals theologically that mm-hmm. answered a lot of the pragmatic questions that they had. So Yeah. Well, that's really interesting that you found yourself at, at a disadvantage, did you say, or, or as, at yes. a, with a dearth of material? You're like, hang on, wait yes. a minute. There has to be, there has to be some people nothing. out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it really speaks to how white-centered Christian education is, Christian theology is. And yes. and I can also speak to that as well with um, just just going to a evangelical seminary. It's called evangelical seminary. It's, it's fanta- It was fantastic for me, and I really grew in a spiritual formation track. But yeah, it yes. was just male Europeans, almost entirely. Uh, not too many yes. women, and certainly there might have been, you know, we might have learned a little bit about Oscar Romero or, you know, the yes. occasional, con- what would be called contextual theology, <laughs> which is actually... Probably more theology proper and and yes. what's Christian theology so so called just Christian is actually more of a, a empire theology if you will yes. Uh, um, yes. And, yes. And, and I guess that might be a little like woo daring to say that but I think if you if you look at who Jesus was it's pretty obvious that he wasn't like em- 
vampire-based person. Yes. You know, he was the underdog yeah. in every way. So yes. it's just, but you don't, you know, when you're drinking the Kool-Aid or whatever, you're drinking the water, the only kind you're offered, then how are you supposed to know until you've seen other, other, you know, choices and voices out there so yes it's been my journey too similarly like oh my goodness there's so many other people who have important things to say about the gospel yes i love that (laughs) i truly love that you're speaking my language the the goal is the proclamation of the full gospel Mm -hmm. that is that reaches the marginalized Mm -hmm. and the goal isn't to make black people rise up and dominate Mm -hmm. or people of color in general. The goal is that everyone would take their seat at the table. And as we started formulating, uh, uh, content that was more holistic and, Mm -hmm. and covered things that black students were interested in or covered theologians that people might not know, uh, or doing book reviews, or we're also in the midst of writing two books currently. Mm, wow. uh, and the goal is that black students would would see themselves, but they would also have this full theological meal mm-hmm. of different ethnic groups, of mm-hmm. different streams, mm-hmm. and with that, that they would join the rest of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't mm-hmm. that we would seg- segment mm-hmm. black students off, we just want everyone to come to the table. And mm-hmm. as we've done that, it's amazing that a lot of people who come to our website and our podcast and our articles, mm-hmm. they, a majority now are white, actually. Wow. <laughs> actually, a majority so are white? Yeah, yeah. I would, I oh. would definitely, and overseas. That's the funny thing. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> and so it's like this, <laughs> this content wasn't even written with you in mind necessarily, uh, but there, a lot of things are biblical concepts. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, we're just doing black theology. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is we're doing theology proper, mm-hmm. but we're coming from a marginalized mm-hmm. lens. And yeah. a lot of our contributors are, have gone to seminary and are black. Um, right, right. And so, but it's a, it's amazing that the majority now are white and international. That, yeah, well, that's that's awesome. See, that to me, that's that's exactly where the gospel comes from. It comes from the edges. It comes from the outside and the unexpected voices and the marginalized. It's always yes. the good news has always come from the outside. That's that's every story in the Bible. Is like, yes, wake I up, that. remember, like Jacob is the Jacob is the second born. You know, like all these yes. all these people. Uh, you know, Ruth is the Moabite who's from this, like, the Moabites were like, what, incest bread, something, you know, yes, it's just like, yes. it's not a good, not good for her. You know, just like, yeah. And, you know, she's the, the grandmother of David. I just, anyway, the, yes. the idea is that she's in the genealogy of Jesus. And that yes. is the good news. The good news is yes. from the margins. So I think it's, it's interesting that, like, how do you miss that? It's right there. Yes. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how to say it another way, but that's almost like you, once you know that 
the good news comes from the margins. Don't unknow it. It's it is seriously. It's in black and white right on the page. Yes. So, um, <laughs> Love that. There's no real excuse. You just have to. You can't just see what you want to see. You have to realize, you know, and somebody, I think it was David Dark. I don't know if you follow David Dark, but he says, you know, um, something you won't find in the Bible is white people. (laughs) You won't find the word Christmas in the Bible. You won't find the word Bible in the Bible. You won't find white people in the Bible. (laughs) They just, they just, it's it's just not from the Bible. It's just not from there. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, that's not a heresy. That's just the truth. It's just not from that part of the world. And True. and neither are and and white people are not the majority of the people in the world. You know, it's just like I think <laughs> yes, right. that's like the, I don't know if Americans realize that white people are a minority in the in the scope of the world. Um, the brown yeah. people are, and black people are make up more people of the world. And so <laughs> I don't know if that gets across, but it's not to say that anyone's better than anybody else. It's just to say, let's not be skewed in how we think the world works because America is a certain way and certain people get privilege and certain people don't. It doesn't mean, you know, well, let's just keep acting. This is normal. It's like, this is about as abnormal as you get. <laughs> I've been writing about grief a little bit in my book, and I was able to find a a passage that said, where I I kind of wrote it in my own words, that we will experience a sense of grief as we become aware and distressed of because of loss, because we that is the natural uh, way we deal with loss is to feel grief and distress. And if yes. we didn't, we'd basically be psychopaths because <laughs> nothing was would get through to us. And sometimes we numb down so much that grief doesn't bother us when it should bother us. But yes. um, as we're talking about grief in terms of our own lives, in terms of your life, I know that there have been things that uh, have caused terrible, terrible grief and terrible trauma. And yes. we were... I wanted to talk um, on this program and also on your program about uh, realizing, like, how did you realize there there was grief in a way beyond survival? You know, once you get over that survival part <laughs> where you're just trying yes. to get through it, then you're like, ooh, I might... I might have some stuff here. <laughs> and then yes. when when the survival part is over and you're dealing with some ways of um, coping that probably don't work anymore or um, management systems and mechanisms that, that you realize, ah, I, this might be related to what happened to me or what happened in the family. Wow. Um, yes. I'm interested to see what you have to say about that. But you can um, talk about some of the things that have been uh, troubling or most problematic and and how you've come to view grief in some sort of way yes that's a great question i who so grief and trauma Mm -hmm. and pain are it's just inextricable from my life story and so my earliest memories are of my father throwing my mother through a glass table and I had to be about six years old at the time and I was caught with all this anxiety Mm -hmm. as they were arguing as he was beating her up how do I help you know how can I fix this Mm -hmm. and it, it and so that that kind of 
sets the framework for how the rest of my life kind of unfolded. Mm -hmm. And all throughout my childhood, my mother was addicted to drugs Mm -hmm. and my father was extremely physically abusive. Mm -hmm. And I'm named after my father, actually. And, um, And so he was always angry and he turned a lot of his rage towards his children and especially towards uh, me. And I'm one of seven children. Mm. And my father made it a point to regularly remind me how much he hated me. Mm. And, uh, And so for me, just growing up, I knew at an early age that I have to protect myself, one, and that anxiety is the normal mm. background hum mm-hmm. of my thoughts. And I assumed growing up that that, that was normal, that everyone experiences this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't until college that I realized that's actually not the case. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, that's a rude, college is a rude awakening. <laughs> you start comparing notes. Yeah, I've had that too. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, okay, this was crazy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, definitely. I, and so for me, I realized that all of the times that my father would beat me or choke me until I would pass out or mm-hmm. all those things weren't normal. And that's not how normal parents interacted with their kids. And so it was a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I started going through a lot of depression and suicide mm-hmm. uh, attempts in college mm-hmm. and through college. And in the midst of that, I would say the other big thing for me related to grief was my parents ended up going to prison for mm-hmm. attempted murder. Wow. Not of you. Of you? Not of me. Oh, okay. uh, not of me. Because um, that could have almost happened as well as you're saying about yes. the choking. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And uh, it was in self-defense. Uh, some people attacked my parents in front of their home in mm. Chicago. And my father ended up shooting one of mm-hmm. uh the attackers mm-hmm. and uh, they both ended up in prison. Wow. And so I ended up having to take custody of my five siblings or four at the time. And the youngest at the time was five years old. Wow. And so I became a pops mm. <laughs> as a sophomore in college. And, wow. uh, had to withdraw from school and mm. enter into that life. And so wow. all that to say, my whole life up until that point and had been traumatic and mm. full of grief. Mm. And I learned that this was the, this was the lot in life. Like you cannot mm. escape this. Mm. And I also didn't have any privilege or people to rely on. Mm. And so I got saved right before my parents went to prison. And so my theological framework was predicated on suffering and pain. Like Mm. it wasn't, I didn't get saved thinking that God was going to rescue Mm -hmm. me out of that. I was just Mm. like, you make all these things easier Mm. is what it was my original thought and Mm. not I expect God to keep me from mm-hmm. pain, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. so yeah. So that that's my initial 
um, uh, thought on grief. It, it, it's it was normal, and it has been normal. Uh, in most years of my life, something traumatic has happened. Mm. Um, even as a as an adult, now in my mid thirties, and even a couple months ago, you had uh, accident, right? Yes. So um, uh, two things. So. Uh, um, not too long ago, the youngest two um, children drowned in an accident, mm-hmm. and the youngest was drowning, and mm-hmm. uh, his brother tried to save him, oh, and um, and so that um, was very traumatic mm. for me because. You know, you live this Christian life and you think mm. that if I can just serve God enough, mm. maybe he will turn back the clock on suffering or mm. grief, you know, like just give me a, repr- uh, mm. a reprieve mm. from pain. And uh, my two boys drowning was uh, a further confirmation that, no, I can't. Mm. Life happens to everyone. Mm. And um and pain and suffering happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yes, they, they, they drowned in everything that, that came with that was painful. And walking through that in the midst of Christian community proved to be painful. Yeah. Because yeah. they didn't seem to have the space for, for your grief or in any, usually in any ways that were really meaningful or helpful or embracing no. and yeah no i think uh what i why initially so they drowned actually in 2012 mm-hmm. and i think most believers i was around mm-hmm. were just ill-equipped for trauma and mm-hmm. grief in general and, and and something i've noticed about even since then is I feel like a lot of the body of Christ is ill-equipped mm-hmm. for it, and it doesn't matter any denomination or mm-hmm. uh, faith tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just ill-equipped. And so a lot of people try to insert sermons mm-hmm. as they would come across me, uh, such as, you know, God killed your killed these boys to mm-hmm. make you a better man. Oh, or mm-hmm. uh, don't be sad because that's not, how faithful people deal with trauma. And, and as I, and I've said this before, so I had that in the church (laughs) and then I would try to turn to, to books because I'm an avid reader and a lot of books on suffering pretty much echo those sentiments. I I would say the majority of Christian books on suffering I'm not going to say what I actually think. I'll, I'll, I'll clean it up and say. I'll have to bleep not, you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. get an E for explicit. No, they're just. Yeah, right. They come from this place, I feel, that is not helpful. And it's a Western idea mm. that tries to segment mm-hmm. off grief mm. and pain from uh, faith. Mm. And I find throughout the Bible, there's grief and trauma and pain all throughout the pages. And that would be for a Middle Eastern person, Mm. 
that is part of everyday life. Like you can't escape it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think as Westerners in general, we mm-hmm. don't have a theology for suffering and in a way to incorporate that. Right. So mm-hmm. what, what books did help you? One, only one <laughs> oh, out of no. the many I tried. Uh, <laughs> so I won't say the ones that didn't, right. but the one that did was uh, someone bought me a, a Grief Observed oh, yeah. by yeah. C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. and I poured out so much pain mm-hmm. <laughs> and tears mm-hmm. reading that because C.S. Lewis uh, is very raw and vulnerable mm-hmm. about his pain after his wife dying, and yeah. he he just covered it in such a way that there wasn't flowery language on it. Mm-hmm. And it made me really identify with, I can still be a man of God. And yeah. and grief doesn't have to define me, but it is part of my existence now. And yeah. I will never be the same person as I was before these different events marked me. Mm-hmm. But C.S. Lewis is very open about, you know, even things that, that seem crazy as far as he wants people to reach out to him. But then when they do, he despises it and he wants people to talk about his wife's mm-hmm. death, but then he doesn't want want it to happen. And mm-hmm. that kind of back and forth that you feel yeah. when you're in trauma, yeah. I felt like, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can be a faithful man of God and still do this. Right. Yeah. So, And also like every, and I think the Bible bears this out, is that every emotion is natural i mean it depends on yes, and you can cry that. it out to god in lament the ment is yes. most of the psalms yes and the cursing psalms are lamenting psalms and that god mm. isn't like clutching pearls or gasping yes. <gasps> you didn't say that no god is like yes. bring it on i know i already know how you feel and yes. it's not sinning to be angry or to be you know even be angry with god because uh, well it it might be it might be sinning yes. eventually, but yes. the problem is that it it still gets to be included in the Bible. It still gets to be yes. part of the human experience. And then I think, you know, and and I'm sure maybe I don't know if you got to this to the I I don't know what my problem was as a kid with with like philosophical questions. Why why this is me? Yes. You know, like yeah. that could be answered. You know, but for some yeah. reason I, I maybe I'll get to the bottom of it. And, and yes. um, and I think I, I thought, you know, there has to be, there, is there reasons for this? Because I think that was kind of what the line was kind of like, oh, there's a reason, you know, because there's these verses are like, what, what's the verse about? Um, <laughs> oh, man, I can't, I can't remember that. Um, great. Of course, I'm drawing a blank. God works everything. Nice for good or something like that out for the good of those who love him (laughs) that one was used a lot but like weirdly and pulled out of context to mean something else for for some individual it was just one of these like it wasn't weaponized i think people meant well but it but it was one of these things that made gave me a bad theology like that oh okay so maybe i could just I'll just ask and pray about it and then God will help me figure it out, which yes. is, of course, baloney. Job never gets any answer, never gets any satisfactory yes, answer. <laughs> and I think it's kind of like, well, you know, don't be mad at God. I'm like, of course I'm going to be mad. Like, of course I'm going to be. I'm going to have every emotion that you have when you're in pain. <laughs> like, yes. it's, it's like I can. What am I supposed to pretend I don't have it? Like God was going to know. 
Like, yes. oh, God's going to get fooled and think, wait a second. I'm on to her. <laughs> yes. Is she actually angry at me? But yes. what's what's interesting, though, is that when you don't have the room in your community or in your own heart for those feelings, they just they just get pushed down until it's like a volcano in there to me yes. anyway in my life. And then you you find it coming out repressed like as weird anger toward like people that you get projected onto or something some or somebody else passes away like somebody else's mom passed away my my dad passed away but someone's mom passed away well i was a complete wreck and it it you know oh way over the top grieving and i'm thinking wow. well that's probably because i wasn't you know i was shoving things down wow, from before yes, yes. because it couldn't you know couldn't happen and yeah. And that was my own stuff, and that was influences of, you know, don't worry, God's in control, and, you know, like, you're going to be offending God if you have feelings, <laughs> kind of yeah, these, weird, yeah, yeah. these weird things. But you're right about Lewis, what the, I don't know if you know this about him, but he wrote this very quickly when he was grieving, and it yes. got published very quick. Uh, his friend, like, immediately saw the the help this would be to people and he wrote it under a pseudonym yes. and about 12 14 people bought him his own book for him oh wow <laughs> he's like, I didn't know just stacking up these, <laughs> these books of his own book because they knew how much pain he was in but he was he would let himself feel pain and i think that that's um i mean maybe not I'm not sure to what degree, but I think that that's the thing is that sometimes we don't let ourselves be human or, you know. Wow, um, yes. I, I, I feel that. And I think what his book gave me was permission mm. to experience and to start to go on that journey of experiencing. Mm. Because I think prior to that, I had been trying to stuff things and be a good Christian. Yeah. But just as you're you're talking about that volcano eruption yeah. was starting to happen. Like I was a good Christian man. I was mm -hmm. doing ministry. I was doing all these things. And people mm. are like, Robert, you're so strong. You're amazing. You're faithful. And, um, yeah. <laughs> but this volcano um, was happening yeah. and inside and I was going home and crying every night. Mm -hmm. But in public, I was mm -hmm. amazing. And uh, and ministering to people and doing all this great mm -hmm. stuff. And his book gave me permission to feel the pain that I was already experiencing. So it's not, yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to conjure it up. It, it was there. It just wasn't being dealt with. And um, just hearing him just speak candidly, mm -hmm. especially candidly for his day, mm -hmm. Yeah. just gave me that permission to connect and to bring all of that fullness to God. And it was, it, it has taken years to integrate that pain mm. in my actual life with God in where mm. to the point where grief is no longer crushing, mm. but it is a normal experience. All the mm -hmm. things are related mm -hmm. ongoing with it. And both that book and this might be controversial, uh, but another book I, uh -huh. I I read at the time later was a book called The Shack. Oh yeah, and, right. uh, um, and that's controversial and to many people, it's not to me. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> well, it, it was... definitely goes down those paths of of incredible anguish 
Yes. Yeah, I see exactly and, what you mean. I, I didn't want to cry three times when I read that, but I did. <laughs> I cried so I read it twice and it just that that had, that book has unlocked the floodgates for mm-hmm. me too, and it gets a lot of flack because of orthodoxy yeah. and yeah. and things like that. But for mm-hmm. me, yeah. I just know when you're messy, you need an anchor mm-hmm. to anchor yourself with God, and it, it, and that book helped to bring me and and anchor me with God, and that mm-hmm. God is described in that book was it mm-hmm. was intimately acquainted and aware of human suffering yeah. and he wanted to be in the middle of it yeah. and just that concept of god has really stuck with me that i don't have the answers to why suffering but i do know that god mm-hmm. is there with me and yeah. and that book just beautifully articulated it for me you know it, it it's as if i mean i i don't know you know, maybe this is some theologian will listen to this and they'll be like, well, the reason you don't know is because you haven't studied anything. Um, but I, I have taken I have taken a bunch of theology courses, but I know, you know, I notice that Jesus also doesn't understand when he says, why have you forsaken me on the cross? Yeah. Right. So it's it's as if he doesn't go. Yep. <laughs> on the cross, he doesn't go. Yep. Just like I thought <laughs> he goes, yeah. why have you forsaken me? He's like, he screams in anger at wish and then dies. Yeah. And, and he suffers. Jesus says, God suffers. Doesn't defeat death by some edict, but goes right. down into the suffering completely as a human to feel everything and then mm. dies. Doesn't, become a victor over death until resurrection goes completely to it through yes. it and to into hell and then yes. out the other side like it's like that's supposed to be the picture of god with us is and yes. so it's like when you say it's it's hard though when you're when you're in pain the last thing you want to hear is oh well, god's with you don't you sense that god's with you of course no. it doesn't feel good to feel that you might feel it afterwards but that if you look at what God is doing through Jesus. God is touching people who are untouchable and healing them and entering right into their suffering. He's crying when people have died because he knows the pain of loss. He would have lost Joseph and he probably knows how painful it is to lose a caregiver. And uh, I'm assuming he would have gotten close to Joseph and, um, and he, you know, had real true empathy for people. He wasn't at a distance like, you know, thank goodness I'm going to die for your sins and this is all going to be put behind us, this suffering stuff. It's just like, of course, life is just, especially for certain people more than other people. But even even for the, the most privileged person, they will lose somebody and they will um, they will suffer loss. They will they will suffer illness. They'll suffer death. And for many people, those struggles will be existential struggles every day for many people in the world but jesus uh is if jesus is the picture of god we know that um he was like yeah why why (laughs) why are you not with me here why do i feel alone and then he in his heart just bursts and that's the end of it um and so i i don't think i saw god as with me through the struggle um 
in some in many years of my different struggles until yes. I was starting to understand God more integrally in, in contemplative spirituality. And I know you have um, delved into some contemplative uh, Ooh, spirituality yes. yourself. And has that helped you with grief in, in, in what sort of ways? Oh, wow. This might be that's too big of a t- I, question. I'm like, Ooh, uh, Ooh, so where to begin? I, I, uh, it, contemplative prayer and the journey into, I call it prayer of the heart mm. or like descending down into the heart is yeah. how I like to think of it, mm. has been really, really just a boon to me in um I found over the course of my Christianity, there have been times so painful that I didn't have words. Mm-hmm. And it's during that time that I, I I started to learn the process of contemplative prayer because mm-hmm. all I am so in touch with, I am just existing and feeling. Mm-hmm. And I don't have all of these perfect prayers that served me in earlier times of my Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I and I started to read books by Henry Nowen yeah. as uh who man, I just love him. Yes. Everything. And um and I would just read his books and cry. Yeah. And uh yeah. and I would just sit there and I started to meditate on passages of scripture and I wouldn't even say anything. And I would just, mm. just descend into the heart and just lift that whole heart to God. And mm. the, my favorite passage uh, then and now has been uh, Jesus uh, at the death of Lazarus. Mm. And my God, I have spent more time just sitting there with my Bible open mm-hmm. and just crying mm-hmm. just because to your point about God with us, mm-hmm. as I would just read just one chunk of that narrative, I would just sit, sit in silence, drink tea and cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would just slowly absorb and digest and mm-hmm thinking of, God, what made you cry and what made you weep Mm -hmm. at Lazarus' death? Mm -hmm. And why did you interact with Mary and Martha in this way? And then Mm -hmm. more tears, no. And then I would spend 30 minutes to an hour just talking, not talking, just heart connection with God. And um, it was in that place that I, I, I... really experience Christ's nearness to me. And there wasn't a whole lot of God telling me all of these wonderful things. I just felt his nearness in Mm. scripture. And I would feel, often I would feel his presence. And there wasn't a lot of words, just like when you're with someone you love. Sometimes you can be together and you're not saying anything deep. There's just the experience of the presence of your loved one. And, yeah. and I would experience that in 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 the Lazarus narrative and, and going through that and um and thinking about Christ's grief as mm. he as he poured out his soul. Mm. And it just let me know that God is intimately connected to his creation. Mm. And 
I had read theologians that made God seem very disconnected. But as I would go throughout uh, the, 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 the words of Jesus, and uh, I just really saw the scripture open up to me through contemplative prayer. And I would just read maybe one sentence and then sit there and, and lift it up to God yeah. in silence. Or I love uh, instrumental music. Mm-hmm. And I would just play instrumental music and just experience God in that way in the scriptures. And I've since tried all different kinds of practices, whether it's Lectio Divina, mm-hmm. any, but I, I, I just grew to really love that there could be a connection with God that's not predicated upon my works and my saying mm-hmm. really cool, <laughs> theologically rich prayers. It's just yeah, right. Christ have mercy on me, a sinner. And I can just yeah. descend into that <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and just experience God in that way. Yeah. Mm. So it's helpful in grief. Yeah. It's um, the prayer of no words or the, um, bringing yes. the mind down into the heart or the prayer of the heart. It, and it's something that I was also very unfamiliar with until well into my thirties. And I, um, you know, you don't, you do hear in the Bible, it's, you know, the Holy spirit will intercede for us with groans that, you know, uh, it's like non-language or something like this. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, you, we yes. do know about some of these things and, and you think about people, um, humming or moaning or um, when they when they don't have the words in some kind of form of song or pre-song. I think of uh, black spirituals that involve yes. a lot of that and the, the suffering that would have predicated some of those spirituals mm-hmm. and how that God is uh, not waiting for us to have clever prayers. You know, yeah. it, it just is yes. just uh, to know that you are God's, that you belong to God. Um, yes. can, you can sense God near you by just mm-hmm. quieting down, you know, like you're saying, it's quieting down. And, um, you know, sometimes we don't feel the embrace of God if we have a, a parent who hasn't been close to us and so we've kind of superimposed that on God. I know that was kind of my issue with thinking of God yes. as a policeman or something, right? And, um, yeah. yeah. But as God, that that's what's so helpful about seeing Jesus for, um, seeing God in Jesus and then realizing, oh, okay, now if I'm praying um, with, my, with my holy imagination in my heart, I can know that mm-hmm. God is the parent I wish I had or the perfect loving parent that would embrace me, that would provide for me, that yes. would care for me. And then you can just mm-hmm. sort of sit with those thoughts um, and there isn't any trying. So the, that's that's the funny thing you have to get over is like, I don't want to try. I could just, <laughs> just like sit here <laughs> and just be God's yes. child, you know? Um, yes. And, and cause, cause I, yeah, grief love- doesn't have like grief doesn't have real language or real images. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking when you were talking, it's uh, that connection and in, in the non trying, mm-hmm. but just being there and, and existing and being with God mm-hmm. and, and feeling that, that tethering to God, mm-hmm started to overflow in areas outside of just intense grief, you know, because Mm. 
you know, we're talking about grief, but we all experience there's a, this huge spectrum of pain mm-hmm. related to the human life, whether mm-hmm. you, you're disappointed in a breakup or mm-hmm. a divorce or you didn't get the job that you wanted or mm-hmm. all these things. I, I began to see as I was practicing this prayer of the heart and this prayer with no words, mm-hmm. I started seeing God cares about all of that. Mm. All you know, um, this this prayer would continually come to me as I was silent. Um, mm. That my s- suffering, my sorrow, and sighing doesn't escape your gaze. Mm. And that little mm. phrase would just come out of my heart. Wow. Um, wow. And I started to see my whole life, whether it's small disappointments, or there's hey, I just. I'm not in with the cool crowd or right. I just, or, or I feel lonely. Yeah. 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 And I, it was, God is all of that doesn't escape his gaze. And, and as I, the, the more I would quiet myself, the more that prayer would almost like hum and sing through me. Like, mm. you know, all this stuff, you know, it's all before your eyes. Right. Mm. And mm-hmm. I just, I love that. Yeah. It's it's funny that we will, you know, it's like it reminds me of the, the little kids who will play hide and seek. And when they're hiding, they're just closing their eyes in the middle of the room. <laughs> it's like what we do. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to tell you how I feel, then you won't even know, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and you're right how... Um, if we're if we're afraid of God, if we don't trust God, it might be scary to think. Um, I remember people in a threatening way would say, "Oh, make sure your sins will find you out. God sees everything. God will see all your sins." And and it sh- actually should have been like, "Aren't you happy? God could see everything, and He knows your pain, and He knows yes. and He loves you the, the same. You can do all the bad stuff. He still loves you exactly the same." And it should yes. be a beautiful thing that God sees everything because you can't hide from him and he won't hide his love from you. Like it, it's already yes. been paid for. Right. So yes. I, I'm thinking like that shouldn't have been like a threatening thing. So I was always looking over my shoulder. It should, <laughs> it should have been awesome. Like, can you believe yeah. there's no place you can go to escape God's love? Yes. It's yeah. it's he, God is always ready with open arms and yeah of course you're gonna sin like that's kind of what we do (laughs) it's kind of like but at the same time um it's it is uh us lying to ourselves about it i mean you're not lying to god we're just lying to ourselves right um so we're like well i'm not gonna tell him that i'm not gonna confess that it's like and because you're in the middle of the room closing your eyes like (laughs) like playing hide and seek in the middle of the room closing your eyes (laughs) <laughs> with yeah. God who could definitely see you. <laughs> so Yeah. Um, exactly. But it, it's like it but we're so I I'm going to speak for myself so been so so silly like that. Um mm-hmm. thinking somehow, oh, I guess I'm I'm not confessing this so no one, you know, God won't even know. No one will even know. <laughs> Apparently I am clueless to, you know, <laughs> to my own. It's just a blind spot, right? Yes. Uh, Agree. Yeah. <laughs> and and the same Definitely. thing with like even with grief of thinking, well, maybe I don't really need to deal with this pain. And if I don't see it or talk about it or notice it or, you know, kind of just won't be there. It's the same sort of yeah. silliness, too. It doesn't just it doesn't just evaporate. 
Yeah, and and I I think also uh, even to this present day, walking through pain, expressing pain, ex- I, I don't see that modeled in the church well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that lends itself mm-hmm. to people not even feeling comfortable to express that to God. Oh, uh, yeah, because, right. you know, when I look at, I, I think we were talking earlier about just the, like even Christian leaders and the machismo on online almost mm-hmm. of people only putting their strongest foot forward. Mm-hmm. And I don't see people expressing that they are weak mm-hmm. and that they are in need of Christ's infusion of strength. Mm-hmm. And and so when you don't see that modeled, it is easy to believe that, that I need to hide this from God mm-hmm. because everyone around me seems to be pretty <laughs> impervious right. to all yeah. kinds of pain. You know, whether right. it's online, I'm like, man, you guys are always thinking theological thoughts. Incredible. You guys are all, <laughs> like, this is incredible. I'm trying to be yeah. there one day. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, it, it like pathologizes like bad days or like, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously if you've had if you've had any real trauma and, and trauma, like as I'm reading about it, you know, trauma sounds so serious. Like you've had to have been in a war, but if you've just yes. felt like, <laughs> if you've just felt like your parents didn't care about you when you were five, that can really yes. inflict you for, for decades. And, yes. um, mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of studies about it, but, but like, so if that's that's happened to loads of people in in different regards, whether it's physical sexual abuse, whether it's a one-time incident of some kind of trauma, like an accident or whatever, um, and then yeah. you're going to have residual stuff from that. Of course, it's going to pop up, and then all of a sudden, it's pathologized. Like, oh, you have anxiety disorder. Oh, you have, and and you might need to have a diagnosis to get some medicine or to get some therapy. But it's like, but. Like everybody needs like 10 diagnoses basically because we're all experiencing life and it's been pathologized, but it's actually yes. just like, I think it's just called living. I mean, I think we're all going to have horrendously anxious things happen to us and that yes. we have, we're disordered now. Like we're, are we just kind of trying to survive? And that's what happens is that you get anxious when bad stuff happens. So it's, it's just yeah. interesting how in the Christian community, you would think, maybe there would be more empathy like you know he's strong because we're weak he's strong and you know we don't have to be strong because jesus is and then all of a sudden you're like oh no you have to be strong too (laughs) yeah which is really weird with what you're saying because the scriptures given to us paint this picture of what you're saying that it is normal living Mm -hmm. um every (laughs) from genesis to revelation we have yeah complete screw-ups. We have people dealing with anxiety. We have people lying. Yeah. We have people so nervous that they're like, hey, just pretend to be my sister when we go. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like, yeah. because I'm so nervous and afraid and yeah, yeah just tell me my sister, girl. And uh, yeah, exactly. it's, it's so, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we get this bird's eye view of humanity and it's mostly broken, nervous, anxious, depressed, 
uh, vicious, sinful, vile, you know, lustful, all of the human experience is just there and it's given to us. But I don't know where the disconnect for us came where we're like, well, we just need to be faithful people who don't express these, these emotions. Um, (laughs) <laughs> or like it's it's like the Maury Povich show basically in the Bible and they were like oh that's crazy that's nothing like my family well I look at my family I'm like actually it's pretty actually, freaking yes. yeah not actually too far off okay exactly <laughs> and, no it's exactly it everybody talks about you know you, on the holidays going back or oh we have to interact with our families and I don't know anybody who I haven't seen maybe one person or two people like, no, my family is fun. It's fun when we go back for holidays and we have a great time. Everybody else is like, tells you the crazy dysfunction and the the hardships are going to happen when they get back together with their family. So pretty sure that stress and anxiety is part of everybody's life. And um, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be surprising that people are struggling and Mm -hmm. need help, like need help community wise like i've got your back i know it's going to be hard you don't have to pretend that you've got it all together yes. and also like just because on this by the same token just because it's really hard also doesn't mean you can just do and say whatever you want because <laughs> because oh well it's hard you know <laughs> but that <laughs> but that you know there's this thing of of we're in this together and we're going to be stronger together but at the same time um it, it's it's not abnormal that you're struggling or that you're dealing with past pain that's not really in the past because it's still here. And yeah. and, it's, yes. and, and that is normal. The, 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 mm. Whatever healthy is, most of us mm. aren't there. And, and if I were to spot a healthy person, I, would, I wouldn't even know what to, to think. I would just <laughs> be like, and where are you from? Canada? No, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume Canada, actually. <laughs> and then you hear news from Canada, and you're like, wait a minute, you guys are so fibbing right now. <laughs> what kind true. of person rubs it in your face that they're nicer than you? What else would you like to say to my listeners regarding grief or where to find, uh, for, find you on Twitter or anywhere else on the web? Yes, I um, concerning grief, I would say um, I have I would read a grief observed, whether it's for you or storing that knowledge for the future, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. because the the reality is we will all go through immense pain. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the first thing is a grief observed. And also, um, I've really been passionate about normalizing, expressing pain. And obviously you can't, Mm. there's appropriateness in where you do it and how you do it, right? And Mm. obviously there are people you know intimately that you can be very transparent Mm -hmm. um, in a vulnerable way. But I... I've I've come to want to normalize the expression of pain mm. and the expression that things are not always great mm. and um, and that's something that I try to do on Twitter. So you can follow me at 
Robert J. Monson, I think is my Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. And people tell me all the time that you're, man, you're so transparent on here. And the thought is, I think this is just the only way we live. <laughs> I just, <laughs> just living your life. <laughs> yeah, I just think like today was t- like today was awful and here's how I'm walking that out is mm-hmm. I want to normalize that mm-hmm. because I think especially as Christians the the world is watching mm-hmm. and presenting uh, a faith and a gospel that isn't tangible that people can touch or interface mm-hmm. or access isn't helpful in our, our witness. And it's just not helpful to us. I mean, because it's just not real, but it's, it it just, it makes the chasm between us and unbelievers too great Mm. to, uh, come across. And so, um, yeah, so I, I think that's, uh, that's the only other thing I could think of is just normalizing, just the expression of pain and it doesn't have to be very deep or traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I, th- I think that's just part of having Christian community. Right. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it takes that first um, step of vulnerability to just say, yeah, I'm not doing too great. Um, yes. To, to kind of almost break the ice that it's, you don't always have to say that you're fine. Right. Um, yes. Did you find a church community that could hold pain with you? Um, I would say not a whole church community, but there are close friends mm. um, that I really, wow, I feel emotional now. I mm. <laughs> That have really um, come around me and have allowed me mm that space and I've held space for me and two people off the top of my head would be actually my co-host on one of the podcasts where's the Mm -hmm. lie um we even have a vulnerable episode where we talk about talk about my boys dying and Mm -hmm. how they were there for me and these are two sisters in the faith that really truly truly are sisters Mm -hmm. and it's always been a pure relationship and they've seen me in every season Mm. of the soul and they really hold me up like a brother and they were there when I first got the news Mm -hmm. that the boys drowned and they were at the house Mm. sitting with me in tears Mm. and they were there for hours I mean I didn't say anything for hours Mm. and they were the ones that that helped to put my mind back together. Um, mm. um, because when you're in that intense place, you don't even know what to do. And so I don't have a natural family to rely on mm. really outside of um, a few. And so they have really held space. Mm. And so they made me drink water. They... Mm. They helped to do a fundraiser to get me money for the funeral. Mm. And, um, and they, over the years, have just wept with me and they've mm. prayed for me and they've helped build me up. And, mm. 
and and one is married now and has a child and mm-hmm. I've walked with we've walked with her as her child almost died mm-hmm. and um and so I would say that has been the purest Christian community mm-hmm. that I've ever experienced because yes there has been trials within the three of us but mm-hmm they've really just held on to me in a tangible way. Like, brother, we're never, mm-hmm. ever going to let you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, wow. and, and, uh, yeah. and I've tried to let them go. Um, but, uh, but, yeah. but, and vice versa. But like over years, you know, um, especially over a decade of friendship, they have just been there. They, they, you know, when I don't have grocery, when I, there'd be times where I just, I don't have food mm. and they would say, here's $10 to get a meal. Mm. And, and so both in, in very tangible ways and spiritual ways, mm. I would say they've really shown me what the father is like. And mm. they've really shown me the face of Jesus mm. and how to, to walk out uh, pain. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, for people who are wanting to be better friends like that or to be do a better job for someone who's grieving or holding space, what mm. would you suggest? Ooh, um, <laughs> I, I would say that obviously there, a whole book could be written on that. <laughs> yeah, there needs to be. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the amazing thing, what I found was like an arc within the friendship that I could go into this arc Mm. in, and at different times I was able to express my anger Mm. towards God, my hatred of God, Mm. my hatred of the people of God. And Mm. it was raw. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have a group text and Mm -hmm. whoo, I mean that, (laughs) I mean, I, I, I just, I was able to express such things that only belong in a prayer journal. Right, and right. Uh, they never corrected my view of God mm. and vice versa. And I remember one of, you know, one, one of them to me, you know, her, as she had all these complications in pregnancy and, mm. and um, almost losing. And then the doctor's telling her, you're going to lose this baby. I mean, it's, wow. it's, it's a wrap. Oh. And, um, all of the pain that came out of my sister's heart in that space. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hold that with such tenderness because I didn't, I would say the biggest thing is, one, allow your friends to express things without having to correct their theology. And that's something the body of Christ isn't Mm -hmm. the best at. Mm-hmm. Um, i.e. Job's friends. Yeah. And um and so they didn't do that. Yeah. Wow. They were just like, okay, do you hate God today, brother? Um, <laughs> right. Just being able okay. to listen, not teach you. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. They yeah. never <laughs> never. I mean it's like, okay, you hate him today? Ooh. Yeah. Do you need a cheeseburger? I mean, we can't <laughs> help you. And right. they would just let me rail and rant and yeah. mm. express all this pain. But it was my way of connecting with God. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And because uh, they knew I didn't truly hate God. And they knew that I would never leave him. 
I just needed to feel safe. And, mm. and so in the arc of that friendship, mm-hmm. um, I was able to express it and vice versa. And so mm. that's the biggest thing that I would say. And, and the, the other thing that I did a whole podcast on called Loving People Holistically mm. is not waiting for your friend or loved one to come to you for help. Like if you know, you know, let's say I know Lisa's going through a hard time. We say this phrase that is problematic. Hey, Lisa, let me know uh, if you need anything. Yeah. Hey, let me know how I can help you. Right. Well, that's dumb. You know they need help. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, you know, and, and so. What's the better thing to say? Just. Yeah, because that's Western and mm. that's, that's, that. Um, it's like an individual co- thing, kind of. Yes, and that's very Western. And yeah. Communal people groups don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, if you notice, Ethiopians or Nigerians, they will be at your house cooking meals. They just come over. Uh, they were. I mean, yeah, they're not waiting. <laughs> they're not. Oh, I assume you want to be alone. We said no. <laughs> if you have really good Nigerian or Ethiopian friends, they're in your business. They're in your Kool Aid. They're not going to wait for you. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to cross. reach out. You could just yeah. know they're there. Yes, they're just mm. they're they're gunning for you, and mm. that's something we try to model in our friendship. And mm. uh, I'm so thankful that I have other friends that have developed into that. So yeah, it, it, ranging from something even small, like, you know, my friend Tamara, she had a rough day. Hey, I just sent her 10 bucks on, on Venmo the other day. Mm. I'm not, I'm not waiting for her to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I am assuming the role of being Christ's messenger in my friendship. Mm. And I don't need permission to do that. So I'm yeah. going to push on her with loving care yeah. until she's like, actually back up. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, that's a really excellent point. I think that we, we get really stuck. And maybe I'm saying we, like we white people, I might yeah. be saying that. So yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that might be that might be what that is. Um is yeah, that you know, I, so, I don't know. But... I don't want to intrude. I don't want to step on people's toes. And I'll just wait for them to but you're absolutely right because what I've found is when I'm in the most pain, I have no idea what I want. I am just trying to survive yes. that hour. And I'm not gonna be able to yeah. have any mental energy to make up a list or something and be like, Oh now I'll call my list. I guess the thing is, is show up and say, as soon as you want me out of here, tell me to get out. Uh, And some people are going to want to be more left alone and, and, you know, just totally left alone. But I think that you're right. It's more of like triage. You kind of have to come in. The person can't advocate for themselves anymore once they're in a great deal of pain. And you'd have to just say, I bet I bet they could use, you know, a meal or uh Maybe they need to get to like a masseuse to to rub them down yes. and make them feel better yes. or something. Some you know, different people have different needs. That if you know them well enough, you probably already know what they are. But if, if you yes. don't know them well enough, there's probably something very practical that you don't yes. have to wait to be asked. Yeah, because my my role in the people that are connected to my life. Mm-hmm. I, I truly believe is to um, is to express God's nearness 
to them. Mm. That's the point of community, mm. right? Yeah. And so I will not force, I think it's cruel unintentionally, but it's cruel to force our loved ones to pastor you on how to help them. Oh, no, yeah. I love what you said about triage. No, my job, I want to communicate Christ's nearness to you. Mm. So if you're in prison, you're in bondage, you are mm-hmm. in pain, you are happy, whatever. It doesn't even have to be just trauma. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to emanate God's goodness and grace towards you. So mm. guess what? I don't know what to do, but hey, here, here, Lisa, here's a $5 Chipotle gift card. I, I don't know, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to stumble and try. And mm-hmm. I, I've realized often in our culture, we make the hurting person come to us mm-hmm. and that's so humiliating to them. It can be. Mm-hmm. And rather than say, I'm just going to try a variety of ways. Mm. <laughs> here's, yeah. here's, yeah. here's, I have a friend who just even recently, they just were like, Hey, I know you've been going through a rough uh, week and they don't even, they live like 500 miles away. Mm. And they were like, Hey, what time do you get off work? And I'm like, who cares? Well, why do you care? Mm. And they're like, um, okay, so I just bought you tickets to this movie. I know I've, I've seen you post about, oh, wow. um, and I know you get off at three, make sure you're there by four, um, that, and pick up these tickets. And that was so moving to yeah, me. Like awesome. that communicated Christ's love to me because yeah. I didn't know that that's what I needed. Mm. And I didn't know how to get myself out of what I felt at the moment, but Mm-hmm. They did that, and they also were like, oh, and just so you know, this weekend, go ahead and go to Barnes & Noble. I Googled a Barnes & Noble close to you, and <laughs> I bought you this book Oh wow! Um, by a woman theologian because they know that I've really yeah. been diving into that. And right. so they were like, just be blessed. Um, <laughs> and, and they were trying, and I, yeah. that is so beautiful. Yeah. Um, if we would do that, we don't have to wait. Mm-hmm. We can just go up the the hierarchy of needs so yeah, to speak right, and right. and i know lisa needs food <laughs> i <laughs> start, do know that start with the basics right food water yeah. shelter <laughs> yeah. like her and her husband they're going through a hard time they need a they need a date night here's 20 bucks and i might stumble and get you to a restaurant that you don't even enjoy but it's hey <laughs> I did something. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's what's what's you're really driving at that's that's such a gem is that we have to be in each other's lives during pain. Yes. And sometimes that looks like stopping by or sending some money or you know making sure that they're not they don't have the onerous of that responsibility doesn't fall on them plus having their pain. And and that that has to be a shift that we make. Now, in communities where there's... This happens naturally in in certain communities where they don't have very much, and they just... Like everybody has to pitch in. It's simple because yeah, there's yes. just not enough to go around. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but in in more as you get more affluent, you have independence, which is a curse when you're in pain. Because yes. it doesn't matter if you have, you know, six months worth of income in the bank and you're just crushed because, you know, your your sibling died or whatever and yes. you're just crushed that not that 
that extra cash in the bank does you no good because you're so alone in the world. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's just being involved. And I love what yeah. you said about certain communities, maybe that are marginalized yeah. or and they do it naturally. Right. And yeah, they have and, no choice sometimes. Right. Yes. And we we often have choices where we don't have to do that. And so I've mm-hmm. really learned and I'm growing in. It is my job to be involved mm. in my loved one's life. Mm. And I'm going to be aggressive and not passive. Mm. And making that switch that mm. you're talking about is a work because mm. our, I, our, everything in our culture tells us to just focus on ourselves. And if yeah. people need us, they'll ask. But um, they don't. 